0: Campfire Classics is a classic literature podcast. However, your hosts will occasionally use not-so-classy language and immature humor to describe very mature situations. As such, listener discretion is advised. I'm Ken Sandberg.
1: And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler.
0: Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf.
1: It's rosé all day today. Cheers. Oh, that didn't work. (laughs) I tried to flick the glass, but because it's a stemless, I can't. Oh, there we go. Yeah, you are also holding
0: it from the rim which is the part that vibrates well, so I know you it's can't... Cause
1: how do you where do you hold it on a stemless glass there there we the, go yeah on the bottom it's now it's working now i've i've made up for my <laughs> i think i need to drink some of this rosé i haven't had any and apparently uh i need to uh get a little wiser mm.
0: is rosé wisdom juice
1: um i think Yes. According great. to Jess Day uh, on New Girl, which we reference all the time, I think it is wisdom juice.
0: Well, according <laughs> to Schmidt, it's bath water. So we've, I mean, we've got a we've got a conflict of interest if that is gonna be your point of reference.
1: I would argue that a bath um does indeed boost my morale, which indeed boosts my wisdom, which indeed you know, so if Rose is bathwater, um, or I can drink it, I mean that sounds great. <laughs>
0: Do me a favor. Yeah. Don't drink bath water.
1: Oh, no. Not actual (laughs) bath water. But if it's rosé, I will drink it. It's kind of like in like Patch Adams when the lady wants to bathe in noodles. Like, mmm, noodles. (laughs) I believe you. uh, I I, I know there are places that you can do like wine baths and stuff like that. And I'm like, that just seems like a really big waste of wine.
0: (laughs) only if it's good wine only
1: yeah i guess they could just use like expired wine like yeah
0: or just like really crappy wine
1: corked wine or like yeah. you know like two buck chuck but not like trader joe's two buck chuck yeah
0: the stuff that the stuff that you get in, in the a jugs. box with the jugs. no real label on it and it's like 6 dollars for the 3 gallon box yeah
1: um, the worst wine I, I I have had to date is the Carlo Rossi uh, like jug sangria mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, yeah I, I I have witnessed people do the dumbest things in their lives while drinking Carlo Rossi.
0: I uh, had a roommate at Amda uh, back in the the early 2000s in New York who um, who swore by Carlo Rossi Vin Rose It was the, the Carlo Rossi. Yeah, jug of, of rosé, and she would often uh, show up to parties with, um, she had emptied the jug into um, emptied water bottles, and so she would just be sipping on rosé, Carlo Rossi rosé out of a plastic water bottle.
1: See, I would have more respect for her if she just carried the fucking jug around and drank out of the jug. <laughs>
0: eh, glass gets heavy.
1: That's with the, true. With,
0: With the bottles, you can just toss them as you finish.
1: That's, that's, I guess that's true. (laughs) Well, uh, uh, I, I miss my early twenties when I can metabolize that shit and actually wake up the next day and function. (laughs) I have trouble metabolizing the good wine now, (laughs) let alone whatever that sugar juice is. (laughs) Hey, listener, what
0: is the stupidest thing you have ever consumed at a party? inquiring oh. minds want to know uh please shoot us an email at fifty-fifty artsproduction at gmail.com and let us know what is the stupidest most foolish or most regrettable thing you ever consumed at a party
1: that is i've seen that question that question kind of bops around facebook sometimes it's like what is a liquor you will never drink again like what is and why like mine is hypnotic that blue shit um it's in a blue bottle. It's in a clear, like frosted bottle, and it kind of mm-hmm. looks like a. It's a it's a really pretty bottle, and the and the liquor is like bright blue, and it's like this some sort of brandy or something. Blue and brandy. It, I don't know what the fuck it is. It's called hypnotic. It was at I was with Jesse Luttrell on this night. It was at uh, Barcelona Bar, my favorite, my friend's shop bar, and it was New Year's Eve, and. Somehow this bottle was getting passed around and I was drinking like, and then I got the end, but the end is the thickest part is like the widest part of the bottle. And right. they're like, finish it, finish it. So I probably had like three shots in like one go to like get it gone. And, um, I was, um, very ill, <laughs> at about one o'clock in the morning on the streets of New York in a pile of snow. Yeah. Which doesn't happen to me. Like if I, if I throw up, it's usually like not, I don't, or I, uh, or yeah, like, especially when I was that age, like very rarely would get sick at a party. Um, but that, that stuff did, did me wrong. So mine's hypnotic. What's yours?
0: I don't. I don't have anything that I can't touch, but I am very careful around Long Island iced teas.
1: Mm. Well, because they're dangerous. Because they yeah. are all the booze.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. When uh. When I was uh. Working. At the Alhambra Dinner Theater mm-hmm. back in the the pre-union days, um, my pre-union days, the the bar, it's a dinner theater, right? So there's a bar, and the bar had a deal with the actors that after the show, it was one dollar wine and beer, two dollar any mixed drink. Um, so I uh, I had a night of uh, one too many two dollar Long Island iced teas, and uh, yeah, yeah, and and pain and regret ensued.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I do my best not to mix liquor at all anymore because I have found that that is the best way for me to, like, behave and also not feel like shit the next day necessarily. Um, yeah. So a Long Island iced tea is everything I don't want because it is quite literally all of the liquors together plus sugar juice. So
0: Yeah, they're just so
1: tasty. They're, they're really good. But yeah, everyone send us your the drink you will never touch again.
0: <laughs> well, and I'm not even dead set on it being a drink because I certainly know people whose biggest con- consumption regret was the hot wings they had at a Super Bowl party, and they've never been able to poop the same way since. Yeah, and so they just avoid hot wings. What do they so, call them?
1: Fire snakes. <laughs> the <next> yeah.
0: <laughs> um. So. So it's not. I, I'm not. I'm not relegating this to to alcohol consumption. I'm curious what you consumed at a party that you regret.
1: Yeah, um, I, I'm good I'm good with that. Yeah, I, I like enjoying you, food or or humans. The, if, you if you consumed a person consumed that you're the like... If you collected
0: Bleh. works of Ayn Rand at a party, that was probably a pretty regrettable party.
1: Oh my God, that was a long, really sad, upsetting, nasty party. <laughs> you were probably locked in a dungeon being tortured by someone, I'm guessing. So that's a different kind of party, but I guess it could be called a party. I don't know.
0: It was a party for someone.
1: It was... <laughs> that sounds awful. Uh, speaking of literature, what do we do?
0: <laughs> uh, I forget. I think mostly we make really bad puns and we stretch 15 minute long stories into hour and a half long episodes. <laughs>
1: hey. But I will say that uh, this week I got to see your mother um, and I've been with my parents uh, and uh They were talking about our podcast um, because your mom saved a bunch of episodes to listen while she was road tripping. And now my parents are about to road trip to you. So they are going to listen to our latest like four or five. And Mm -hmm. um, both your mom and my mom were saying how much they enjoy the banter at the beginning. One, because they like get to know what we're doing because usually they're like, oh, we kind of find out what Heather and Ken are up to. But also they just think we're funny. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad someone does. (laughs)
0: Well, my, uh, my, my new friend, castmate, uh, Katie Faye Francis. Yes. Um, Hi, Katie Faye. Hey, Katie Faye. Hope you're listening. Hi. Uh, she, um, she ended up listening to uh, a handful of episodes fairly quickly and said that one of her favorite things we have done in the episode she's listened was you trying to terrorize me with haunted objects on eBay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, um, that was so, also one of my favorite things, honestly. So,
0: so maybe that should make a comeback.
1: Um, I'm into that. Uh, next time I have you read like a ghost story, I will, uh, I will find something to do with, uh Haunted things you can purchase and or places you can visit because I'm into that. I mean, that that's my jam. I would have my own podcast about haunted things if, if, uh, if I could, uh, could go there because those are the podcasts I listen to and also why I like the ghost stories. Sure. <laughs> I like being scared so I can't sleep at night. It's great. <laughs> I like Good, being scared because- to the point of my anxiety being so riled up that I can't sleep at night
0: because no one on this call is having any trouble sleeping at night as it is.
1: Well, that's just anxiety, because I'm about to go back to the ship, which I don't think we've told our listeners, so... <laughs> I don't think I've mentioned that I'm, I'm like, peacing out of here yet on the COG podcast. Oh, uh, I yeah. thought that had come up. Mm-mm, Mm-mm, I don't think so, but yeah. So, in a week, I will be boarding, literally a week from today, I will be getting back on the joy. Surprise, everybody! <laughs> Um, as a replacement cast member. So, uh, yeah, uh, I have just a little, I have I've lots of anxious, anxiousness about it. Uh, just cause I have to learn two new tracks in two shows I've done. So anyone who's a performer or a musician out there is aware that muscle memory is a thing. And so when you have to learn different vocal tracks for the same song, your brain doesn't necessarily love it. it's it's you know, it's kind of like doing the same exercise over and over and then someone gives you an adjustment and your body's like, eh, what the hell is this? I don't understand. So for the
0: record listener, Heather has promised that she will continue to have internet access so she will be staying on board with the show as much Uh, as possible. You should not not notice too much of a change
1: as much as possible. We're going to probably record a couple episodes this week. So I'm prepped, but yes, we, we are going to attempt since I'm only in Bermuda and, uh, Canada and like Maine and Boston this time, I I will have reliable internet accesses, better, more words. All right. Anyway, what do we do?
0: (laughs) So what we actually do uh, is find short stories from public domain, short stories that are free for anyone to get a hold of and read and use however they want, because, you know, it's better when it's free, Uh, and we attempt to read them to you, sight unseen, and... um, I mean, some people would say hilarity ensues, some people would say it's obnoxious how terrible we are at reading, but uh, overall, I think we at least have a good time. (laughs) Um, Along the way, we'll look up any words we don't recognize and um, typically make sex jokes out of things that probably aren't supposed to be sex jokes.
1: I mean... Are I think all things are supposed to be sex jokes? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do know that my I've been binging below deck. Reason one last tangent I've been binging below deck because my sister said you must because I work on ships and it's I, I'm talking binging like it is on all the time when I'm doing stuff in the background, it's it's become that show, and there are a couple uh women on that show that. Are my best friends. I'm pretty sure because they make everything into a sex joke, and I'm like, I'm not the only one. <laughs> like these are my weirdos. I hope I meet them someday.
0: <laughs> well, but they work on ships.
1: They well, they work on really fancy yachts. Um, so I, that's, skills are
0: transferable.
1: That's not on my in my plan, but we'll see.
0: Um, But before we get into the stories, uh, we like to set you up with some fun facts to give some context. And this week I have chosen a story for Heather to read. And so uh, without further ado, except for this little musical sting, we're going to get into fun facts. Fun facts. Alrighty, so I'm interested to see where this one goes because this week we're covering another one of those big names in literature that we've just managed to miss for two years. Okay. Adeline Virginia Stephen was born in England on January 25th, 1882, and today is known by her married and professional name, Virginia Woolf.
1: I have looked at stories from her a few times and just have not gone there. So, all right.
0: Uh, She is considered one of the most important modernist writers, and her novel Mrs. Dalloway, which just entered public domain last year, is one of Time Magazine's 100 Greatest English Language Novels.
1: So I'll be reading that entire novel today, yes?
0: So you'll be reading Mrs. Dalloway in its entirety today. (laughs) Well, let me get comfortable.
1: I need to grab a (laughs) couple more bottles of wine.
0: Uh, so, Virginia was part of a blended family. Um, both of her parents had been married, had children, and been widowed before they married each other. Okay. Uh, so, her family tree is a little complicated. <laughs> yes. Um Uh, She was, in her own words, quote, born into a large connection, born not of rich parents, but of well-to-do parents, born into a very communicative, literate, letter-writing, visiting, articulate, late 19th century world.
1: So educated. <laughs>
0: so educated. Okay. Um and she also felt like she was in a like born in a, a good time, like the world is making progress. We're connected. The world is um shrinking in the sense of it's easier to communicate with everyone. Yeah.
1: yeah. And and as a woman, she was blessed with education, which yeah wasn't always the case.
0: Yeah. Which wasn't always the case. Uh unfortunately, she was also born into a family where she was as she recalls molested by her half-brother Gerald starting when she was 6 years old. Oh, no. Um, um there is is a belief that this contributed to her lifelong distrust of men, especially male authority figures.
1: That's not okay.
0: Um Her father, though tyrannical, was the first person to encourage her to become a writer. Uh, He seemed to see her as his literary heir apparent. He was a a bit of a a writer and literature guy himself. Um, She had very conflicted feelings about both of her parents. It seems that her mother had always been kind, if somewhat distant, and her father, though somewhat oppressive, uh, she felt... She was more like him than like her mother.
1: Okay, so she, like, just I'm just clarifying. Yeah, she she did not have a step parent. She was the product of two married people with, and then her she had yes. step siblings. Okay. Correct,
0: correct. Cool. Both of both of the parents that she grew up with were her biological were her parents. parents. Okay, all of her or most of her older siblings were, were half siblings because okay. both of her parents they had were kids from- Got it. Yeah,
1: yeah, got it. So she she understood her mother more but seemed but seemed like she was more like her father
0: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: despite um, his authority
0: yeah, yeah. So, you know, complicated parent relationships. All Shocking. <laughs> um, Virginia seemed to have a tendency of getting into complicated romantic relationships, too. Uh, okay. She spent a year with a group of neo-pagans pursuing socialism, vegetarianism, and public nudism. Um,
1: and, awesome.
0: <laughs> and during this time, hippies. <laughs> During this time she became involved in a romantic threesome and was vocally hurt when the other two in the couple decided to leave and marry each other
1: oh damn yeah. all right so she, they were they were hippies before hippies were cool <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah,
0: I mean neo neo pagans is yeah. what, what how how they referred to themselves. Okay,
1: neo pagans, but they were yeah. hippies. They were hippies.
0: Uh, she did herself get married. Um, she met her future husband Leonard Wolf while visiting her brother at university. Leonard and her brother were friends. Uh, Wait, Leonard is this, later, this
1: isn't the brother that like fucked her no. up, right? Okay.
0: No, different brother. <laughs> um, like that brother. Can't she was go. she was one of like she was one of like eight or nine children or something. Oh, okay. She had lots cool. of siblings. Great. Um. So, uh, Leonard, her husband, later remembered meeting her and her sisters for the first time. They were all in white dresses and big hats and carrying um sun umbrellas.
1: Were they at uh, Ascot?
0: <laughs> I mean, they were visiting university him at university. So like it was some formal function. similar Probably polo to
1: that, yeah. or some shit like that. Um. Well, what rich and, people do and wear white. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he said that she literally took one's breath away
1: Aww. and
0: called her formidable and alarming.
1: Oh, that's how you describe me. That's so sweet. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's not unaccurate. It's
0: not <laughs> unaccurate. Um, she also, while married, had a um, romantic relationship with a woman named Vita Sackville-West, okay. a successful writer and gardener. Okay, Vita, in a letter to her own husband, admitted that they had consummated their sexual relationship at least twice.
1: All right. So Virginia, very bisexual, very she fluid. Was-
0: she was just doing whatever kept her going in life. She
1: was living her living yep. her life,
0: doing her thing. Uh, it was right around the time of this relationship with Vita that her uh, her writing really took off because during their um, and I love this phrasing uh, during their time of intimacy.
1: Time of intimacy, love is it. how
0: it was how how that was written in one of my sources. I'd call uh, it a she tryst. Published, <laughs> she published three novels. Several articles and short stories.
1: Nice. She found so, a muse. It was she a found muse. a muse
0: and yeah. and got busy.
1: Got um, busy in more <laughs> ways than one. In more ways than one. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: unfortunately, her success did very little for her lifelong struggle with mental health. Uh, modern experts have diagnosed her as likely struggling with bipolar disorder and probably some depression related to early traumatic stress
1: PTSD yeah. like
0: yeah um and clearly there was no treatment for either of those things well at the, time. the
1: only treatment was a lobotomy or you know being locked in a cage or something like
0: yeah the so great the no. great mental
1: health history of our world yes yeah
0: so so no treatment no, no. effective treatment
1: they're like smile more get go yeah. into the sun
0: um <laughs> yes. eventually she was unable to shake off one of her dark waves. Uh, She wrote a letter to her husband, which is beautiful and heartbreaking, unsurprisingly, in which she thanked him for being, quote, the reason for all the happiness in her life. And then she threw herself into the river near their house.
1: Yeah, I know that. I knew that. I knew that was coming. (laughs)
0: Um, All in all, she wrote nine novels, over 50 short stories, uh, a whole bunch of articles and a biography of Elizabeth Barrett Brown written from the perspective of her dog.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. <Yep. laughs> I want a biography of me written from the perspective of Lina.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's called um, Flush, a biography. The dog's name was Flush. Aww. And so, yeah, it's it's a biography of this woman, but but from the dog's point of view.
1: I absolutely want A biography written for the perspective of my cat now. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, it would be really funny, I feel. Yeah. Uh,
0: So uh, Virginia is considered an early feminist writer, a pioneer of stream of consciousness narration, and mixed in with themes of war and witchcraft and mental health, she was an early literary supporter of homosexuality.
1: Which is amazing because, well... She was, Um, but also like, but also, and this, this is going away, but I would argue that like women tend to get a little bit more of a pass on the gay bisexual because for some reason that has been fantasized, that has been like, um, what's the word has been, uh,
0: fetishized,
1: fetishized is the word I'm looking for. So like women earlier on were able to talk about their same sex like passion and and loves before men were because sodomy uh is like the bible dirty word and so like women have been a very uh a very big proponent and a big thing uh in like the progression of the openness of homosexuality so that yeah. that's that's great that she had the platform to do that so
0: yeah so today Uh, You'll be reading a short story that preceded her novel, Mrs. Dalloway, called Mrs. Dalloway in Bond Street.
1: Oh, it's the prequel, everybody.
0: Yep. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Let's start this fire.
1: Fire. Mrs. Dalloway in Bond Street by Virginia Woolf. Two O's, so it's woof Whoa. woof. Yes, Mrs. Dalloway said she would buy the gloves herself. Damn it! It doesn't say damn it, <laughs> <laughs> but I already like this woman because she's like, "Bitch, don't buy me the gloves. I get them myself."
0: <laughs> See, what what it sounds like to me is my little brother's first sentence, which was, "I do it myself."
1: Was that really his first sentence? Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. I do
0: it myself.
1: Whereas Ashley's first word, thanks to me, was Barbie. Because <laughs> I played Barbie with her so much that her and she's so embarrassed by it. And I'm like, I think it's really cute. <laughs> like, anyway. All right. Mrs. Dalloway said she would buy the gloves herself. Big Ben was striking as she stepped out into the street, it was 11 o'clock and the unused hour was fresh, as if issued to children on a beach. But there was something solemn in the deliberate swing of the repeated strokes, something stirring in the murmur of wheels and the shuffle of footsteps.
0: Uh, all right, so didn't, didn't want to interrupt, but we've got- um, There's a
1: lot in there, yes. <laughs>
0: uh, Big Ben, we've got repeated strokes.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Stirring in the. Yeah. I. I yep. Yeah. Uh, it's too early in the story for. for made,
0: <laughs> made disturbing by the image of children on the beach.
1: Well, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, it's not like the children are on the beach. It's just like that's what it sounded like. It's like, damn it, get, get go. You have to leave now. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, no doubt they were not all bound on errands of happiness. There is much more to be said about us than that we talk. There is much more to be said about us than that we walk the streets of Westminster. Big Ben too is nothing but steel rods consumed by rust. Were it not for the care of H.M.'s Office of Works, if your steel rods are overcome by rust, that's you need to get <laughs> you need to go to the doctor or like uh, get on Tinder or something. Cause like, that's not good. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, or just call up Her Majesty's Office of Works.
1: Apparently, they'll come and, scrub it off for you and
0: let them <laughs> let them get that work you done know that, for you.
1: That's a great government service. Like, um, my rod <laughs> is covered in rust. Can I uh, order up some uh, <laughs> some uh, tune-ups?
0: <laughs> needs to be rubbed down and lubed up.
1: Yep, I mean. That that should be a government service. I mean, the world would be happier. I'm just saying. That's why I say legalize sex work because the world would be happier if people could just you know sometimes get a blowjob, you know, and people would be unionized and treated better. Anyway, that's a political discussion we won't get into. Only for Missus Dalloway, the moment was complete. For Missus Dalloway, June was fresh.
0: I'm <laughs> busting out all over.
1: June is busting out all over. A happy childhood. And it was not to his daughter's own wait, his who's who who's the dude?
0: We we don't know yet. Oh, okay. Remember, she writes she was a she was stream a of consciousness. Of stream of consciousness. Yep. Yep. So there's gonna be a lot of oh, we're not gonna know what this means until, until I keep five reading sentences later.
1: Yep, so I'm just gonna keep reading, which is what we do really well on this podcast. <laughs> uh so Mrs. Dalloway June was fresh. A happy childhood. And it was not to his daughters only that Justin Perry had seemed a fine fellow, weak, of course, on the bench. Flowers at evening, smoke rising, the caw of rooks falling from ever so high, down, down through the October air. There is nothing to take the place of childhood. A leaf of mint brings it back, or a cup with a blue ring. Aww.
0: So she's just being reminiscent.
1: Yeah. Um. That's cute, because uh, there's... uh. The the Haunting of Hill House, which is uh, Shirley Jackson. Uh, sure, I, real cute. <laughs> yeah, it's very cute. Um, uh, I played Eleanor in a play production of that, and Eleanor's favorite memory from childhood is a cup with blue stars on it. So, this is a cup with blue ring, a cup of blue stars. So Let's
0: hope things turn turn out out better better for for Mrs. (laughs) Dalloway than they did for her.
1: (laughs) Well, Eleanor's life ended in suicide, so... um, That's
0: why I'm saying let's hope things end better for her. Well, we know Mrs. Dalloway makes it to the end of this story because there's a whole novel about her later. (laughs) Unless
1: this is a... Super prequel, I, well, the, yes, yes, unless it's a sequel to the prequel, I don't, anyway, yes, you're uh, right. Unless
0: the novel is the prequel.
1: Yes, so we'll, we're, we're hoping good things happen. Poor little wretches, she sighed and pressed forward. Oh, right under the horse's noses, you little demon. <laughs> and there she was, left on the curb, stretching her hand out, while Jimmy Dons grinned on the further side. A charming woman, poised, eager, strangely white haired for her pink cheeks. So Scope Purvis, CB, saw her as she hurried to his office. She stiffened a little, waiting for Durnal's. Who are all these fucking people?
0: (laughs) Most of them are going to be unimportant. I know. it's like the baker. The the It's like bonjour,
1: the, bonjour, bonjour, yeah. bonjour, bonjour. Yeah. Okay. Okay, we're in the opening of, of Beauty and the Beast where most of these people don't matter. Yes. Eventually we'll meet Gaston and he'll be there. Okay.
0: Big Ben is ringing.
1: Big Ben is ringing. Yeah. It's just setting the setting the tone. All right. A charming woman poised, eager, strangely white-haired for her pink cheeks, so Scope Purvis, C.B., saw her as he hurried to his office. She stiffened a little, waiting for Durnal's van to pass. Big Ben struck the tenth, struck the eleventh stroke. The leaden circles dissolved into the air. Pride held her erect. Well, that was nice of Pride. Um, She'd
0: already stiffened, and now yep. Pride is helping and her out. now
1: Pride is helping her out. Pride held her erect, inheriting, handing on, acquainted with discipline, and with suffering. How people suffered... How they suffered, she thought, thinking of Mrs. Foxcroft at the embassy last night, decked with jewels, eating her heart out because that nice boy was dead. And now the old manor house, Durntil's van passed, must go to a cousin. Okay.
0: So someone died and lots of money is changing hands.
1: And because she's a woman, she doesn't get it because the world's stupid. Good morning to you," said Hugh Whitebread. (laughs) I'm gonna. His name is
0: unfortunate. His name name. is
1: Whitbread, I think, but I'm gonna call him Hugh Whitebread because this man is definitely white. (laughs) Good morning to you," said Hugh Whitebread, raising his hat rather extravagantly by the china shop, for they had known each other as children. Where are you off to? I love walking in London," said Missus Dalloway. Really, it's better than walking in the country.
0: (laughs) Mm, Strong disagree, but go on.
1: I mean, there is definitely more uh, sidewalk action in London, whereas in the country, especially at this time, you probably just walked on the gravel streets. So, yeah, it's, you know.
0: You're also more likely to step in horse poop in London.
1: I don't know. Probably both at that point, because in the country, that's how people got around.
0: (laughs) Right. But like. You can. it's easier to, to just walk around in the grass and you're less likely to to accidentally step where a horse poops, whereas in the city, the horses and the people all walk exactly the same trails, which means the horses have to poop where you're going to walk.
1: We've just come up, said Hugh Whitebread, unfortunately to see doctors. Millie, said Mrs. Dalloway, instantly compassionate. Out of sorts, said Hugh Whitebread, that sort of thing. Dick Alright?
0: <laughs> uh yes. Stiff and being held erect, thank you.
1: Why are we going to need to be names about penises in our stories? <laughs> Dick Alright? First rate, said Clarissa.
0: <laughs> Good for you. Good for
1: you, Dick.
0: <laughs> Good for you, Clarissa.
1: Yeah, Clarissa living the dream, man. <laughs> Of course, she thought. Walking on, Millie is about my age, 50, 52. <laughs> so erectile dysfunction is uh, well, no, rampant. and the
0: dick, and the dick, and the dick is dick still
1: first-rate. First rate, so that's pretty. That's pretty great. Or she's lying. So it was probably that Hugh's manner had said so, said it perfectly. Dear old Hugh, thought Mrs. Dalloway, remembering with amusement, with gratitude, with emotion, how shy, like a brother, one would rather die than speak to one's brother. Hugh had always been, when he was at Oxford and came over, and perhaps one of them, drat that thing, couldn't ride. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. He couldn't ride?
0: Well, that's why it didn't work out between them. That's
1: too bad. How, then, could women sit in Parliament? How could they do things with men? For there is this extraordinarily deep instinct, something inside one. You can't get over it. It's no use trying. And men, like Hugh, respect it without our saying it, which is what one loves, thought Clarissa in dear old
0: Hugh. Duh.
1: Yeah. Ah. She passed through the Admiralty Arch and saw, at the end of the empty road with its thin trees, Victoria's White Mound. (laughs) Wow! This one's just making it so easy. Yep. (laughs) Oh my God, Victoria, put your clothes on. Well, maybe she was. You
0: know what? Don't. Well, she was probably at one of those pagan
1: things, one of those neo-pagan places. (laughs)
0: No, I, I mean, I think she's, she, her majesty Victoria is probably out with the office of works making sure all of the rods are clean and lubed.
1: Rods are clean and lubed and everything is erect and uh, she's just showing everyone her mound. The trees of Victoria's white mound, Victoria's billowing motherliness, amplitude and homeliness always ridiculous yet how sublime thought mrs dalloway remembering kensington gardens and the old lady in horn spectacles and being told by nanny to stop dead still and bow to the queen the flag Ooh. flew yes <laughs> the flag flew above the palace the king and queen were back then dick had met her at lunch the other day <laughs> yes a little afternoon delight
0: sky rockets in flight
1: Dick had met her at lunch the other day. A thoroughly nice woman. Wait, is Dick a woman?
0: Uh, no, I think he met the queen at lunch the other day.
1: Okay, got got it, okay. Ah, yes, that makes sense, okay. It matters so much to the poor, thought Clarissa, and to the soldiers. A man in bronze stood heroically on a pedestal with a gun on her left side. The South African War. It matters, thought Mrs. Dalloway, walking towards Buckingham Palace... There it stood, four square, in the broad sunshine, uncompromising plain. But it was character, she thought. The Queen went to hospitals, opened bazaars. The Queen of England, thought Clarissa, looking at the palace. Already at this hour, a motor car passed out of the gates. Soldiers saluted, and the gates were shut. And Clarissa, crossing the road, entered the park, holding herself upright. Okay. Okay. Get to your shit, Clarissa.
0: (laughs) This is very much um, feeling like James Joyce, um, Ulysses.
1: Uh, Yes. (laughs)
0: Uh, In that it's like you, you do have to do a little bit of piecing together or just accepting that you're not. Uh, you're not getting a lot of transitions in between thoughts. You're just getting the thoughts as they come because we are dealing with stream of consciousness. Yeah. So she looks up and sees the queen and then describes the guy next to it. And then, oh yeah, Dick met her yesterday. Anyway, moving along, oh, that's a nice monument.
1: Yeah, and I'm like, Jesus, Jesus, take your riddle in woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she probably would have gladly taken something. <laughs> I think it's, uh, let's see, yeah, anyway. June had drawn out every leaf of the tree. Who's June? Oh, June the the month. The month. <laughs> the month. <laughs> like who the fuck's June? Oh yeah, that's June, right. June,
0: that hussy that's busting out.
1: She is busting out. She's a little slut. June had drawn out every leaf on the trees. The mothers of Westminster had mottled breasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the mothers of Westminster with mottled breasts gave suck to their young. Well, that's nice of them. Quite respectable girls laid stretched on the grass. (laughs) As in, like, they had their bathing suits on, but they weren't two pieces, because that would be slutty. (laughs) An elderly man, stooping very stiffly, picked up a crumpled paper, spread it out flat, and flung it away. How horrible. Last night at the embassy, Sir Dighton had said, If I want a fellow to hold my horse, I have only to put up my hand. But the religious question is far more serious than the economic, Sir Dighton had said. Dint, dint, Dighton? Sir Dighton. How did I say it before? Dighton. Dighton had said, which she thought extraordinarily interesting from a man like Sir Dighton. Oh, the country will never know what it has lost, he had said, talking of his own accord about dear Jack Stewart. Who the fuck's Jack Stewart? <laughs>
0: someone who either died or is lost. Okay. I think I think Jack Stewart probably fell down a well and they're waiting for a dog to come and bark and tell them where he is.
1: Oh, like uh like Lassie. Yeah. Okay. Got it. She mounted the little hill lightly. Well, that's nice. You gotta you gotta gently mount.
0: Start start slowly.
1: Yeah, June wasn't ready for her, but now she's ready. Okay.
0: Wait, is this June's little hill or is this the Queen's Little Hill? Because the Queen sounds like she's already been out and about.
1: Um, I guess we're gonna find out. <laughs> she mounted the little hill lightly. The air stirred with energy. Messages were passing from the fleet of the Admiralty. Piccadilly and Arlington Street and the mall seemed to chafe the very air in the park and lift its leaves hoity brilli- hoitily brilliantly upon the waves of that divine vitality which Clarissa loved. To ride, to dance, she had adored all that. Or going along the walks in the country, talking about books, what to do with one's life, for young people were amazingly priggish. Oh, the things <laughs> one had said. But one had conviction. Middle age is the devil. (laughs) Damn right, bitches. I just had to go to a podiatrist for the first time. Not into it. They're like, well, yes, Heather, you are a dancer, so you have high arches. And now your arches are falling, so you're going to have some pain. I was like, my arches are falling? How? Oh, man.
0: Nobody told me I was signing up for this.
1: What the fuck? But as I said, with your your mother and my parents, uh, aging isn't for the uh, the weak, but it beats the alternative, is what came up many times. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yes.
0: Well, it beats most of the alternatives. Ponce de Leon came to Florida looking for the fountain of youth.
1: I mean, I'm still I'm still on the search for that, but you know, I, I'm not holding my breath.
0: Well, that's good.
1: I haven't found the fountain of youth, so I don't want to hold my breath and die. Yes. Yeah. All right, so we uh, we have... Le- middle age is the devil, for sure. People like Jack will never know that, she thought, for he never once thought of death. Never, they said, knew he was dying, and now can never mourn. How did it go? A head grown gray. From the contagion of the world's slow stain, have drunk their cup a round or two before. From the contagion of the world's slow stain... She held herself upright. But how Jack would have shouted, quoting Shelley in Piccadilly, like Mary Shelley?
0: Uh, Or um, uh, what's his name? Her husband. But yes, quoting quoting a writer.
1: Okay. But how Jack would have shouted, quoting Shelley in Piccadilly, you want a pin, he would have said, he hates frumps. My God, Clarissa. My God, Clarissa. (laughs) She could hear him now at the Devonshire House party about poor Sylvia. Who are all these fucking people? My God, Clarissa. My God, Clarissa. She could hear him now at the Devonshire House party about poor Sylvia Hunt in her amber necklace and that dowdy old silk. Clarissa held herself upright for she had spoken aloud and now she was in Piccadilly. She's like, oops, don't want to be the crazy pe- person talking to myself in the middle of Piccadilly Circus. <laughs> Passing the house with the slender green columns and the balconies. Passing club windows full of newspapers. Passing Lady Burndent's... Burndent's house? Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's C-O-U-T-T-S. Cont's?
0: Cout's.
1: Cout's? I like... house. <laughs> And you don't even have to meow it because that's just her name.
0: But it's not. There's no N in that word.
1: Oh, no, there's not. You're right.
0: It's couts.
1: It's couts. Wishful thinking.
0: Which means I have to to meow it.
1: That's just my stream of consciousness reading. I don't know what you're talking about. That's
0: fine. Hey, did I send you the picture? I don't know if I did. Um, I took a picture when I was hiking with my mom. Uh, we made it up to um, a little, like, arch, mm. and people had carved their names into it. And you know what name doesn't stand the test of time when you carve it out in nature? Clint.
1: Clint. <laughs> Your mom did show me the pictures of the arch. I did not read any of the uh, carvings, but that's too bad for him. Yep. <laughs> Clint, it didn't work out. It didn't work out, darling. All right. Back, back to Lady Bur- Burnden- Burdette Cout. Kaut. Burdette Kaut's house. <laughs> okay, so she's passing green column. She's been talking to herself, and now she's passing old lady Burdette Cout's house where the glazed white parrot used to hang, and Devonshire House with its gilt leopards, and Clarig's where we must remember Dick wanted her to leave a card on Mrs. Jepson, or she would be gone. Rich Americans can be very charming. (laughs) I would argue rich Americans can be fucking assholes. Well, there's no
0: reason you can't be both.
1: Well, maybe she's being sarcastic. It's like, rich Americans can be very charming. <laughs> there was St. James Palace, like a child's game with bricks, and now she had passed Bond Street. She was by Hatchard's Bookshop. The stream was endless, endless, endless. Lords, Ascot, Hurlingham. What was it? What a duck. <laughs> what? What a duck she thought looking at the front frontispiece What what a duck she thought looking at the frontispiece of some book of memoirs spread wide in the bow window Sir Joshua I,
0: I think Virginia got autocorrected I think it's what the fuck she thought looking yeah. at the frontispiece of some I mean book.
1: that's what what the fuck she thought looking at it. <laughs> I like to think that she absolutely wrote what what the fuck instead of what a duck. But I also kind of like that that was her way of saying what the fuck and not getting censored. <laughs> She's like, what a duck, she thought, looking at the frontispiece.
0: So the frontispiece is an illustration facing the title page of a book. It's so like that
1: first illustration. Either It's like, it's, yeah, what? It's- it's, there's either a duck in the illustration. There's either a
0: duck there, or there's something that she cannot identify. That she's
1: like, "What the fuck is that? Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna go with fuck, but that's just me. What a duck! Duck,
0: duck, or fuck?
1: Duck or fuck? That is the question. It's, it's one of those. <laughs> it's
0: one of those pictures that if you look at it long enough, you either see a duck or you see a th- fuck.
1: I'm gonna read it like she's saying, "What the fuck?" because it makes me happy. What a duck, she thought, looking at the frontispiece of some book of memoirs spread wide in the bow window. Sir Joshua, perhaps, or Romney. No, not Romney. Ew. What's he doing there?
0: Collecting binders.
1: Arch, bright, demure, the sort of girl like her own Elizabeth. The only real sort of girl. And there was that absurd book, Soapy Sponge, which Jim used to quote by the yard, (laughs) and Shakespeare's sonnets. She knew them by heart. Phil and she had argued all day about the Dark Lady, and Dick had said straight out at dinner that night that he had never heard of her. Really, she had married him for that. He had never (laughs) read Shakespeare. (laughs) What a fucking idiot.
0: <laughs> hey, she didn't marry him for his brains. She
1: married him for his dick.
0: <laughs> she married him for his first rate. First
1: rate rod, yes. <laughs> first rate erection. But he he didn't know Shakespeare, so he couldn't no. talk pretty well. He was uh, giving her the first rate uh, erection, but that's okay. There must be some little cheap book she could buy for Millie. Oh, Cranford, of course. Was there ever anything so enchanting as the cow in petticoats? (laughs) Okay. Now I'm intrigued. If only people had that sort of humor, that sort of self-respect now, thought Clarissa, for she remembered the broad pages, the sentences ending, the characters, how one talked about them as if they were for real. For all the great things one must go to the past, she thought. (laughs) <laughs> that's very uh, that's a very real sentiment in in people as they get older. They're like, ah, yeah. oh, things were better back in my day.
0: The good old days. The good old
1: days. From the contagion of the world's slow stain, fear, no more the heat of the sun. and now can ever mourn, can never mourn, she repeated. Her eyes strayed over the window, for it ran in her head, the test of great poetry, the moderns that had never written anything one wanted to read about death, she thought, and turned. She's like, eh, modern literature sucks ass. (laughs) So anyway, I'm not going to buy anything. Screw it. (laughs) Omnibuses joined motor cars. Motor cars, vans, vans, taxicabs, taxicabs, motor cars. There was an open motor car with a girl alone. Up till four, her feet tingling, I know, thought Clarissa, for the girl looked washed out, half asleep in the corner of the car after the dance. And another car came, and another. No, 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 Clarissa smiled good naturedly. The fat lady had taken every sort of trouble but diamonds, what orch- what is happening? this is hard she's to watching,
0: she's, she's watching people go by yes, in the street
1: I know <laughs> the fat lady had taken every sort of trouble but diamonds orchids at this hour of the morning no 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 the excellent policeman would when the time came hold up his hand another motor car passed how utterly unattractive. Why should a girl of that age paint black around her eyes? <laughs>
0: She's judgmental. She's a judgmental
1: lady. bitch. I kind of like her. She's like, oh, I hate everything. Oops, don't talk to myself. I don't want to be that crazy old lady. And a young man with a girl at this hour, when the country... The admirable policeman raised his hand and Clarissa, acknowledging his sway, taking her time, crossed, walking towards Bond Street, saw the narrow, crooked street, the yellow banners, the thick, notched telegraph wires stretched across the sky.
0: So that was just she was she was thinking all those judgmental things of the people going by. while basically, she waited for the walk sign. Yeah,
1: I mean, she's waiting for the crosswalk person. A hundred years ago, her great-great-grandfather, Seymour Perry, who ran away with Conway's daughter, ooh, Conway, we've heard of Conway before, had walked down Bond Street. Down Bond Street, the Perrys had walked for a hundred years and might have met the Dalloways, Lee on the mother's side, going up. Her father got his clothes from Hills. There was a roll of cloth in the window and here just one jar on a black table, incredibly expensive, like the thick pink salmon on the ice block at the fishmongers. "'The jewels were exquisite, pink and orange stars, "'paste Spanish,' she thought, "'the chains of old gold, starry buckles, "'little brooches which had been worn on sea-green satin "'by ladies with high headdresses, but no good-looking. "'One must economize. "'She must go on past the picture dealers "'where one of the odd French pictures hung, "'as if people had thrown confetti.' pink and blue, for a joke. If you had lived with pictures and in the same with books and music, thought Clarissa, passing the area Lynn Hall, you can't be taken in by a joke. This lady's a now bitch.
0: She's, now she's <laughs> judging modern art. She's
1: a bitch. <laughs> I think I've decided
0: I don't like Mrs. Dalloway. Mrs. She's Dalloway's judgy, judgy.
1: Mrs. Dalloway is a <laughs> She's she just needs a, a good a good uh, a wrecked rod, I think is what she needs. That's
0: the one thing she's got going for her, though. Apparently, by the of it. Appar-
1: maybe she needs a good uh, uh, fish taco. Then I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what she's craving. Uh, where'd it go? The river of Bond Street was clogged. Ew! <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's too bad.
0: Hate it when your river gets clogged.
1: Yeah, well, that sounds like she needs. (laughs) There, like a queen at a tournament raised regal, was Lady Bexborough. She sat in her carriage, upright, alone, looking through her glasses. The white glove was loose at her wrist. She was in black, quite shabby, yet, thought Clarissa, how extraordinarily it tells breeding, self respect, never saying a word too much or letting people gossip. "'an astonishing friend. "'No one can pick a hole in her after all these years, "'and now there she is,' thought Clarissa, "'passing the countess who waited powdered perfectly still, "'and Clarissa would have given anything to be like that, "'the mistress of Clarefield, "'talking politics like a man.' But she never goes anywhere, thought Clarissa, and it's quite useless to ask her, and the carriage went on. And Lady Bexborough was born past like a queen at a tournament, though she had nothing to live for, and the old man is failing, and they say she is sick of it all, thought Clarissa, and the tears actually rose to her eyes as she entered the shop. <laughs> wow. Huh. So, so she, she likes wants this to old be old rich lady. She likes this old rich lady, but she also kind of feels sorry for her. Yeah. "Good morning," said Clarissa in her charming voice. "Gloves," she said. "Oh wait, we're finally going to get she's going to go get the gloves herself. All right, here it is.
0: Give me give me these gloves that I made all of these people listen to my internal <laughs> ramblings over."
1: "Gloves," she said with her exquisite friendliness and putting her bag on the counter began very slowly to undo the buttons. "White gloves," she said, "above the elbow." And she looked straight into the shopwoman's face. But this was not the girl she remembered, for she looked quite old. ''These really don't fit,'' said Clarissa. The shop girl looked at them. ''Madam wears bracelets?'' Clarissa spread out her fingers. ''Perhaps it's my rings.'' And the girl took the grey gloves with her to the end of the counter. ''Yes,'' thought Clarissa. ''If it's the girl I remember, she's twenty years older.'' There was only one other customer sitting sideways at the counter. Her elbow poised, her bare hand drooping, vacant like a figure on a Japanese fan, thought Clarissa. Too vacant, perhaps, yet some men would adore her. I completely and utterly understand that statement because like when I meet stupid girls and men fawn all over them and half of them are putting it on, like they just play stupid because that has always gotten them what they wanted. And I refused to ever be that girl. I can't do it
0: myself. Do it for me. Oh,
1: it's too high. Can you get it for me? And I'm just like, that's going to be exhausting to pretend to be that dumb. Like. It's, it's not cute anymore, ladies. I'm just, this is my political, this is my soapbox right now. It's not cute to act dumb, so stop it. The lady shook her head sadly. Again, the gloves were too large. She turned round the glass. Above the wrist, she reproached the gray-headed woman who looked and agreed. They waited. A clock ticked, Bond Street hummed, dulled, distant. The woman went away holding gloves. Above the wrist," said the lady mournfully, raising her voice. And she would have to order chairs, ices, flowers, and cloakroom tickets. Thought Clarissa. Oh, is she going to? Uh, She's going to the 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 opera or something?
0: <laughs> Some sort of big party.
1: Yeah. The people she didn't want would come. The others wouldn't.
0: (laughs) Oh, throwing a big party.
1: She's throwing a big party and she's like, I'm going to invite everyone, but the stupid people that I hate are going to show up and all my friends are going to be busy. (laughs) That sucks. Yeah. I would argue just don't invite the people you hate. But, you know, that wasn't London society. That wasn't
0: London society. And by the sounds of it, if she only invites the people she wants, no one will show up. (laughs) There's like
1: four people there.
0: So what's worse, throwing a party where nobody shows up or throwing a party where everyone who shows up is a pain in the ass?
1: At least if everyone shows up who's a pain in the ass, you can just get a little bit too drunk and yell at them. And then the next day be like, I'm so sorry. I was in my cups. I don't understand what do I I do remember anything I said. (laughs) She would stand by the door. They sold stockings. Silk stockings. A lady is known by her gloves and her shoes. Old Uncle William used to say. And through the hanging silk stockings, quivering silver, she looked at the lady, sloping, shouldered, her hand drooping, her bag slipping, her eyes vacantly on the floor. "'It would be intolerable if dowdy women came to her party. "'Would one have liked Keats if she had worn red socks? "'Oh, at last!' She drew into the counter, and it flashed into her mind. "'Do you remember before the war you had gloves with pearl buttons?' "'French gloves, madam?' "'Yes, they were French,' said Clarissa.' The other lady rose very sadly and took her bag and looked at the gloves on the counter, but they were all too large, always too large at the wrist. "'With pearl buttons?' said the shop girl, who looked ever so much older. She split the lengths of tissue paper apart on the counter. "'With pearl buttons,' thought Clarissa, "'perfectly simple. How French!' "'Madam's hands are so slender,' said the shop girl, "'drawing the glove firmly, smoothly, down over her rings, "'and Clarissa looked at her arm in the looking-glass. "'The glove hardly came to the elbow. "'There were others half an inch longer. "'Still, it seemed tiresome to bother her. "'Perhaps the one day in the month,' thought Clarissa, "'when it's an agony to stand. "'Oh, don't bother,' she said. "'But the gloves were brought.' Don't you get fearfully tired, she said in her charming voice, standing. When do you get your holiday? In September, madam, when we're not so busy. When we're in the country, thought Clarissa, or shooting, she had a fortnight at Brighton. In some stuffy lodging, the landlady takes the sugar. Wait, what? Oh, now she's just thinking. She's she's not
0: thinking about her own vacation. Ah, in September, when we're in, in the country. Yeah.
1: The landlady takes the sugar, nothing would be easier than to send her to Miss Loomley's right in the country. It was on the tip of her tongue, but when she remembered how on their honeymoon Dick had shown her the folly of giving whoa, <laughs> of giving impulsely <laughs> Wow, Dick showed her on her honeymoon what it's like to give in impulsely. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, and the folly of, so apparently giving impulsively did not work out for them.
1: Apparently not. They had to plan it. Yeah. It was much more important, she said, to trade with China. What? (laughs) (laughs) Of course he was right. And she could feel the girl wouldn't like to be given things. There she was in her place. So was Dick. Selling gloves was her job. She had her own sorrows quite separate and now can never mourn, can never mourn. The words ran in her head from the contagion of the world's slow strain. Thought Clarissa, holding her arms stiff, for there are moments when it seems utterly futile. The gloves were drawn off, leaving her arms flecked with powder. Simply, one doesn't believe, thought Clarissa, any more in God. So people don't oh believe my. in God anymore. Heresy. That's very pagan. That's very paganism. Uh, kind of neo hippy dippy. Yep. The traffic suddenly roared. The silk stockings brightened. A customer came in. A customer! <laughs> White gloves, she said, with some ring in her voice that Clarissa rem- Oh, this is a different woman. Okay. White gloves, she said, with some ring in her voice that Clarissa remembered. It used, thought Clarissa, to be so simple. Down, down through the air came the call of the rooks. When Sylvia died hundreds of years ago, the yew hedges look so lo- Who the fuck's Sylvia? Plath?
0: <laughs> An ancestor. Okay.
1: <laughs> when Sylvia died hundreds of years ago, the yew hedges look so lovely with the diamond webs in the midst before the church. But if Dick were to die tomorrow, as for believing in God, no. She would let the children choose, but for herself, like Lady Bexborough, who opened the bazaar, they say, with the telegram in her hand, Roden was her favorite. Killed, she would go on. But why if one doesn't believe? For the sake of others, she thought, taking the glove in her hand. This girl would be much more unhappy if she didn't believe. You wanna you wanna break that down? <laughs>
0: Uh, she's, she's still talking about, uh, belief in God and a bunch of that. Basically it was, it used to be so simple when everyone believed.
1: When, yeah. Um, Okay. But now people question.
0: Now people question. Um, she questions, her husband questions. And if you don't believe, why do you bother going on? Why bother continue living? Oh, well for all of the other people in your life.
1: Okay. There it is. Good job. (laughs) Thirty shillings! said the shopwoman. No, pardon me, madam, thirty five. The French gloves are more. For one doesn't live for oneself, thought Clarissa. And then the other customer took a glove, tugged it, and it split. There! she exclaimed. A fault of the skin, said the grey haired woman hurriedly. Sometimes a drop of acid in tanning. Try this pair, madam. But it's an awful swindle to ask two pound ten! Clarissa looked at the lady, the lady looked at Clarissa. Gloves have never been quite so reliable since the war," said the shop girl, apologizing to Clarissa. But where had she seen the other lady, elderly with a frill under her chin, wearing a black ribbon for gold eyeglasses? Sensual, clever, like a sergeant drawing. How can one tell from a voice when people are in the habit? Thought Clarissa of making other people. It's a shade too tight," she said. Obey. The shopwoman went off again. Clarissa was left waiting. Fear no more, she repeated, playing her finger on the countertop. Fear no more the heat of the sun. Fear no more, she repeated. There were little brown spots on her arm, and the girl crawled like a snail. Thou thy wordy task hast done. Thousands of young men had died that things might go on. At last, half an inch above the elbow, pearl buttons, five and a quarter, my dear slow coach, thought Clarissa. Do you think I can sit here the whole morning? Now you'll take twenty-five minutes to bring me my change.
0: What? So she finally got the gloves she wanted.
1: Okay, but well, what the fuck happened before that?
0: Oh, so um, so there's there's business going on in the shop. Well, yes, I know. These gloves, I'm just no, like I'm just gloves. trying to make it. Oh, you find? Yeah, yeah no, I know, just I know. Trying I'm trying to make it make I'm sense explaining. for the
1: per- person listening. Yeah.
0: Yep, I know. Then that's that's what I'm explaining. Um. Uh, and she uses a lot of um, metaphors and things and it's, uh, she talked about oh, all of these young men who died in the war so that we could go back to living life the way that we were used to and yes, those are my gloves, thank you very much, took you long enough and now you're gonna take half an hour to bring me my goddamn
1: change. She's a bitch. She is. There was a violent, oh, what the fuck? And that's the end? <laughs> okay. There was a violent explosion in the street outside. The shopwoman cowered behind the counters. But Clarissa, sitting very upright, smiled at the other lady. Mrs. Ostwerther, she exclaimed. The end. That was the strangest story we've read on here yet.
0: <laughs> it was a weird one, but it also...
1: Also, so it's, I think their bomb just went off in fucking London, and this bitch is sitting at the golf counter like, oh, I remember who you are, and she doesn't even like... It's just completely, completely aloof, this woman. <laughs>
0: and I think that is the point of the story, is that Mrs. Dalloway is just... She's very much concerned with the surface of what is going on in life around her, but she's not actually concerned with the details of any of it. Yeah. It's about, oh, I know her, I know her. Yes, about him, this thing, that thing. And then a literal bomb goes off. And the most important thing to happen to her is she has she remembers who the recognizes woman recognizes the woman who just walked
1: in. Yeah. Yeah, because she's so unaware of the reality of the world. It's all about appearances, which was very much society at the time. And that's that's
0: what this is. It, this was this was this woman's walk down to the store, and it it's. I mean, I think the the line about um, she seems to think that all of those soldiers who died in the war died so that she could get back to buying the gloves she wants.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. It's it's this idea of. The, you know, the people at the time who trivialize major things to make it about them.
1: Self-centeredness and being completely unaware, but thinking you're aware because you're sitting there judging other people. But that's not being aware because you're not actually like, you don't actually know anything about those people. You just... Assume things about them. Yeah.
0: You, know. you you know the gossip about them. I think it's part of why we probably got so many names thrown at us too. Yeah. Is that we're not supposed to understand who these people actually yeah. are. All we know is the the 15 seconds of thought that that um Clarissa has as she's waiting for the cop to wave her across the road.
1: Yeah, I wonder, uh there's a famous quote, I'm gonna butcher it, but it's like like regular people talk about other people, brilliant people talk about the world, like, or something. It's like, do you, you know what I'm saying? There's, Um, it's, yeah.
0: It's, yeah, I do. I don't remember. Small people,
1: small people talk about people, like, yeah, I I can't think of the quote right now, but it's, it's like, like,
0: Uh, it's, I, I think it's, um, three things. And it's, it's, you talk about people, talk about actions, talk I'm about ideas. I'm looking it up.
1: Great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events. Small minds discuss people. You it's go. being attributed to Eleanor Roosevelt in most of these. So that makes sense. Cool. That was very difficult to read. So I thought, I hope all of you understood what the fuck I was saying. <laughs> it was, it was a hard one to read out loud because it is a stream of consciousness, so yep. it I I wanted to put voices with people and things and that was not what this story was.
0: <laughs> so if you enjoyed that, uh tune in next week for Finnegan's Wake.
1: <laughs> tune in tune in for our special installment of we read the entire novel Mrs. Dalloway. <laughs>
0: So listeners, what do you think of that? Um, Did you enjoy that story? Were you already familiar with Virginia Woolf? Or like me, were you only familiar with her because her name appears in the title of a play and you've always wanted her secretly to write werewolf fiction? Yeah, you're like, why is everyone
1: so afraid of Virginia Woolf?
0: Yeah, that's... um... (laughs) Well,
1: I know why everyone's afraid of Virginia Woolf now because it's hard to read out loud.
0: Because it's hard to read. (laughs) it's It's
1: read. It's actually probably easier to read silently because your brain processes things differently than when you read them out loud.
0: Yeah. I but, I also found that when I read Ulysses, which is written in a very similar style except yeah. it's, you know, like a full 10,000
1: pages, um, yeah.
0: The the trick for me was just stop thinking that there's a story cuz there isn't. It's not about that. It's about the experience. It's about
1: it's about the you are experiencing
0: that person's life through their own time. Through their own eyes, there is no
1: story. Yeah, the story is what's happening to them. It's not the the story isn't a story like it's not a traditional. I'm going to tell you a story now. It's like literally I'm going to put plop you into this person's brain, and it's kind of like um uh, uh being John Malkovich.
0: Yeah. Imagine if you decided, if you decided you were going to go to Caribou Coffee to get a coffee and a breakfast burrito, and along the way, every single thought you had was written down on paper.
1: That would be terrifying. I have that, anxiety, y'all.
0: That is this kind of story.
1: <laughs> oh my god, I don't wish that upon anybody on the fucking planet. My, I take medication because my brain works too fast and too much, too many things. Ah, uh, oh my god, I can't even. That's. Fuuuuh! <laughs>
0: <laughs> every every time every time something sparks a memory from high school, every time in your brain you curse out a driver who's moving too slow. It's uh, all every, written
1: down in that order. Yeah.
0: Every, every time you notice someone on the side of the road who you're like, Oh, I wonder if they're
1: Yeah, I mean um, I just had twelve thoughts right there. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like, uh
0: so so yeah, listeners, uh let us know what you thought of that one, how you felt about stream of consciousness. Uh if in general Generally, you're a fan of Virginia Woolf or just think she has a really cool name and you can send us those thoughts to uh, 5050ArtsProduction at gmail.com. That's 5050ArtsProduction at gmail.com or find us under Campfire Classics Podcast on any of those uh, social media things. And when you uh, shoot us that email or social media message or whatever it is, please include this week's secret passcode, which is first rate erection.
1: First rate erection. <laughs> Ding dong.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's it. Like us, like us and subscribe to our stuff and please do write us a review. That helps us out a ton. Uh, I should check and see if we have any new reviews that we can read oh yeah, next week. So um,
1: get on Apple podcast and or wherever you can write reviews and write us a review and we'll read it out loud. Yeah.
0: Uh, I think that's all for me. Any yeah. parting thoughts?
1: No, I finished my rosé all day. I'm, I'm ready to ready to go play.
0: All right. <laughs> well, in that case until next week, this has been Campfire Classics where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf.
1: That dong, 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 dong. <laughs> it was in my head because of ding-dong and (laughs) dong-da-dong-dong-dong.
0: By next week's episode, I want your parody of the thong song that is the dong song.
1: You got it. Right.